I don't wanna be the boy that runs in the back I don't wanna be the kid that falls in the dark All I really want to be is the guy that gets that girl Welcome to the AJ Steele Show. We discuss politics, sex, money, and everything in between. And now, here's your host, an immigrant, a self-made millionaire, an American, AJ Steele. And everything I say and do, I'm just not good Welcome to another great episode of the AJ Steele Show. Today we feature an interview with a young, rising star in the conservative movement. Her name is Deanna Lorraine. And Deanna is quite famous. She's done a lot in her young life. She's already faced down Nancy Pelosi in an election. She's been a regular guest on television and YouTube and radio and podcasts. And she even wrote a smart new book called Making Love Great Again. And no, it's not the kind of book you're thinking about, but we will talk about it a bit later. So what did we talk about with Deanna? We talked Donald Trump, family values, feminism, and we even talked about her opinions about Marxism and the Marxist push to destroy our traditional values. Plus, we discussed a few other things that I think all of you will be very interested in hearing about. One thing I was struck by was the fact that most of her opinions are based on the laws of God and nature, and humanity has valued these things forever. It's only been 50 or 60 years, ever since the 1960s here in the United States, that many of these ideas have fallen by the wayside. Everything that we believe to be moral and good has been turned upside down. Good is now bad, and evil is now considered good. Someone like Deanna Lorraine, who believes in God and values and families and country, someone like her is now considered the outlier. And the freaks out there, the people who don't believe in justice or morality, the bums, the drug addicts, the perverts, they're the ones telling us how to live our lives. They are the ones judging us these days. We can't let these people set the agenda for us anymore. We have to get educated. We have to get organized, and we have to stand up, unified, for the things that we believe in, or we're going to lose our country completely. Now, what do I mean when I say get organized and stand together and make your voice heard? I'm not just talking about tweeting things. I'm not just talking about sharing memes on TikTok or Facebook. I'm talking about campaigning for people that you believe in. I'm talking about spending money and donating money to causes that support our way of life. I'm talking about being out there and promoting our beliefs. I'm talking about getting out there and actually voting and also about making phone calls to convince other people to vote. Not cowering away behind a computer. Not standing down every time someone calls us a racist. I'm tired of our side always taking a knee. I will not get on my knees for anyone. I don't want to apologize for crimes I didn't commit. I'm not willing to wear the badge of being a racist when I've never been racist my whole life. I am tired of being pigeonholed. I will not be put into a box. And I will never apologize for being conservative. I will never apologize for being normal. I will never let the other side, the mentally deranged, the sickos, the thugs, the criminals, the drug addicts, the sexual deviants, I will not let them define who I am and neither should you. Just the other day, 
I saw a bunch of people in a rally trying to promote President Trump. Now, I live in one of the most liberal counties in all of America, right here in Northern California, and I decided to take out my flag and join them. You wouldn't believe the kind of attacks we endured. A bunch of black kids, Hispanic kids, and even white rich kids just went out there and started screaming in the faces of every patriot that was out there. We were just waving a flag, not attacking anyone, not hurting anyone. And these young adults got in the faces of 80-year-old women, calling them every name in a book, cussing at them, screaming at them, spitting at them, threatening their lives. And the 20 or so police officers that stood there, the same police officers that I pay my hard-earned tax money to support, did nothing about it. They just stood there while these Black Lives Matter racists and these Antifa thugs verbally and physically harassed these patriots until they had to leave. And you want to know what the police told us? Us, the rally goers, the peaceful rally goers. There were some women there in their 70s and 80s waving little American flags. There were some men there, elderly men, men who belonged to the Marines, men who fought in Vietnam and Korea, wearing their hats, the hats of their units. And you know what the police told us? You need to leave because we can't guarantee your safety. Well, what good is the police? There were about 20 cops there and about 15 thugs. Why didn't they arrest them? Why didn't they keep them away from us? What happened to our freedom of speech? That is where America is headed, ladies and gentlemen. That's our America. Now, I don't want to belabor this story and tell too much of it because I promise that I will talk about it in our next episode, the next episode of the AJ Steele Show. And plus, I need to calm down. But believe me, the full details of what happened that day are going to make your blood curdle. Okay, I think it's time to switch gears a little bit, and it's almost time for us to play our inspiring interview with Deanna Lorraine. I know you've all been waiting for it. But before we get started with this show, I want to say a special thank you to all the new listeners and fans that joined us since our fascinating interview with Tea Party leader Michael Johns and our very touching interview with the lovely Miss Juanita Broderick. Another thing I want to talk about is an old show that we did back in March uh, 2020. It was called Surviving Coronavirus, Facts and Hope. And many of you have listened to it. As a matter of fact, it's become one of the most popular episodes of the AJ Steele Show. And we got emails complimenting us about the amazing accuracy of our predictions. Someone even called me Nostradamus. Well, let me let you in on a little secret. I'm no Nostradamus. All the facts about the Wuhan virus were always out there for anyone to see. All we did was gather up the facts, use medical knowledge, read the data rationally, and most of all, we applied logic. The media and the liberals did a number on all of us and created an unnecessary panic and a financial disaster. This is just a continuation of a long line of liberal dramas that have very little to do with science and reality and everything to do with politics, including the Russia collusion hoax, the Ukraine impeachment scandal, the P dossier, and the current racial hatred narrative that we're dealing with. Look, I know you're going to hear a lot of sides and a lot of different narratives, but I want to promise you one thing. We will always do a lot of research here to make sure that we do not give you any false information. And all of our opinions will always be based on the best information available. We deal with facts and we deal with opinions that come from facts. We're not going to do any hyperbole or fake news here. 
you may not like or even appreciate our opinions or what we have to say, that is your right. But I absolutely promise you that we will never lie to you on the AJ Steele show. Listen, I think I talked enough. When we get back from our short break, you are going to hear Deanna Lorraine, a dynamite lady in a dynamite interview. Don't go anywhere. The AJ Steele Show. Think of your loudmouth best friend, hated by all the wives, because he tells it just like it is. Welcome to the AJ Steele Show, Deanna. I'd like to start at the very, very beginning. So you're a young lady, you live in California, and you happen to be an avowed conservative. Tell me about your childhood and what led to your current politics. Uh, well, um, I have a, a book called Making Love Great Again, and I talk a lot about that too in my, in my book. But basically, you know, I come from a family of mostly Republicans and uh there, there are a lot of like Catholic Republicans uh, in my family, and they have all worked really hard to get where they are today. You know, they have um, businesses, most of them of their own, and some. You know, my grandparents on my dad's side came from Sicily, so they they came to New York, and they were very proud when they became a, an American citizen. And they, everyone in my family, they worked really hard to get to where they were. A lot of them, my grandparents especially, they were not uh, wealthy people at first. So they understand the value of working hard, taking personal responsibility uh, for your life and not just being a victim in life. Um, we, we had a lot of faith in our family. We would go to church every Sunday and, uh, and as, as a Catholic. So all of these values were really instilled in me at a, at a young age, which I'm very grateful for. But I would say, you know, in my like college years and early twenties, I had, I went through a bit of a liberal stage for a little while. Um, because it's kind of hard not to when you're in my generation, you know, you're a millennial and uh, there's there's a lot of that liberal indoctrination going on around you, especially in the colleges, especially then. Mm -hmm. But through a period of time where I, I would maybe be a little bit more liber liberal, although I mostly voted Republicans, um, it wasn't until really Obama's last couple of years that I saw really the destruction of of liberalism and um, and the deep state for what they really were. I just thought for a while uh, liberals were kind of stupid, to be honest with you, excuse me, but you know they they weren't very sensical. But I didn't. It took me until the last few years of Obama's presidency to really wake up and see they're not just nonsensical; they're actually destructive and intentionally destructive. Uh, the lead, the Democrat leaders are. So I researched a lot, and I really, I really um, took it upon myself to try to get my hands on every kind of book, uh, political book, and book about uh, about liberalism and conservatism, um, books about Obama and the Clintons. And I got to really understand what was really going on in our world behind the scenes that we weren't being, that we weren't, uh, hearing about. And everything that is, is told to us is not necessarily the truth. 
there's a lot of lies. There's a, there's a whole illusion out there. Um, so luckily, Obama, because I couldn't stand him so much, and I realized he was really taking our country down a horrible path, he woke me up. He woke me up and got me to research and got me to see things with my own eyes. And ever since that, I was a very, I became a very strong Republican and uh, more like farther to the right, you know, extremely conservative, very outspoken conservative and uh, through the whole political correctness thing out the window, because I feel like if if we want our country back, we cannot be politically correct. We have to fight for it. We have to tell the truth. We have to not be afraid to hurt people's feelings by telling the truth. Oh, absolutely. And I live out here in California, just like you. I'm in the San Francisco Bay Area. And I know that it can't be easy for you to be an open conservative right here in the lion's den of Antifa and Hollywood and unhinged liberals. Basically, this is Nancy Pelosi country. So where do you get the drive? Where do you get this energy to fight back? And have you had to deal with a lot of crazy liberals who are trying to make your life miserable? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, so some people but definitely on the uh, on social media i definitely get a lot of lurkers and and crazy people but I, I i guess i would say i get my guts from god you know i he gave me the uh the gift of boldness i would say and he gave me a voice he gave me the gift of communication and telling the truth so I feel like he he gave me these gifts and I need to use them and use them in the in a way that bolsters my platform and brings people closer to him that brings people that brings people to the truth the side of the the truth and you know people who tell the truth in these days are bold you know we would never really think that 100 years ago but you know, in order to tell the truth now, you really do. It requires boldness. But in the end, it's for the purpose of helping humanity. It's for the purpose of restoring America because truth is love. Truth, you know, we, we can only heal our land through truth and through um, and through justice, you know. And I'm, I'm hoping that justice will be served soon. And I'm hoping that people will more so see that being on the the liberal the left side of things is completely the opposite of being on the side of truth and righteousness and uh, common sense even it really is i i absolutely agree with you and now how about all these highly funded left-wing action groups have they been bothering you I was just going to say, you know, recently I've been more so I've got like right wing watch totally on my hot on my trail and media matters. And if you mm. obviously if you know about them, they're just, you know, they're owned by Soros and David Brock and everything. And since I got since I got them on my trail, I have picked up a lot more trolls. You know, the trolls mm. are everywhere. They're flooding my social media now. And it's easy to spot them. Obviously, they just say the same scripted things over and over again. And I block them. But, you know, it is a, it is frustrating when people when you look in your inbox and people say, kill yourself, mm. you need to die. Uh, you are the filthiest, most horrible human being ever. Wow. You know, th these are horrible things to hear. Absolutely. And, you know, this kind of uh, politics of destruction has just gotten worse and worse since President Trump uh, became president. I want to talk a little bit about your book. You're a Catholic, but your book is called Make Love Great Again. And I love that title. Now, as a full-blooded male, I've said for years that men should be allowed to be men and women should be allowed to be women. We're different. And that's a beautiful thing. Is that the premise of your book? 
The premise of my book is really, that's part of it. You know, that's definitely a theme in the book. But the premise of the book is more so about the overall destruction of our relationships and the family unit and our culture as a whole uh, because of the left. And, you know, Marxism, which I talk a lot about in the book, it everything could be really traced back to Marxism. Marxism is the umbrella uh, that holds the front groups of socialism, feminism, the gender, the gender politics that we're seeing now, progressivism, that's, those are all just different, different groups under the umbrella of Marxism. And it is Marxism, it is, it is the left that is destroying our relationships, our family, our culture with their values and their policies that they're pushing on us. And one of the ways that they're destroying it is, is trying to push the narrative that men and women are not different, that there's, that gender is irrelevant and, you know, you can have limitless genders and men and women don't need each other because we're the same. That's a very dangerous narrative. It's very dangerous. It's not true. It's not accurate. And it pits us, it makes us not need each other. So the way to really restore our country and our culture, our family units, our relationships is going back to our roots. You know, the traditional values and views that we had around relationships and the family unit. Interesting. So it sounds like you're almost an anti-feminist and we can talk all day long yeah, about Marxism much. and we can talk all day long about class warfare, which is what they want. But being an anti-feminist, right. does that translate to being a misogynist? Just like if you're against communist China, you're a xenophobe all of a sudden? <laughs> That's what they love to say. <laughs> you know, they the feminists love to call me a woman hater and a misogynist, but I'm not. I'm just telling the truth. And I'm I'm actually... I'm actually, I do it, I'm doing it as, out of love because nobody, nobody will tell them the truth, these feminists, and then they end up ruining their lives because they buy into this lie that their life is more fulfilling if they ignore men, demean men, um, have a, have a career, uh, their whole lives and, you know, spend their lives making a bunch of money and getting, being very successful on their own, independent, self, selfishly, you know, thinking about themselves. Mm. That's a lie because most of these women, when they're 50, 60, 45 years old, the one thing they want so bad is a husband, is a family. And they bought into that lie that a family wasn't going to fulfill them and a husband wasn't going to fulfill them. It was themselves that would fulfill them. And they're miserable and they're, and they're so depressed. And they would give anything to have a husband or family, but it's too late for a lot of these women. So I'm just trying to remind women of our roots and the fact that it is true, God made us really perfect, um, and our natural instincts are natural for a reason. The goals that we have in life that men and women have, you know, men tend to want to be successful and to, and to achieve and conquer and provide and protect for women in a family. And women tend to want to, uh, you know, have a family, have a man, be, uh, be a loving, devoted wife and, and mother, and also pursue their own passions, but typically there is a drive for women to have a family and a husband. And, you know, what, what feminism has done is try to, um, try to rid women of their natural instincts and they can only, um, they can only suppress those instincts for so long. And the feminists are so evil. They know that they know that they can buy themselves about 10, 20 years. They can get a lot of women to go to work, put money into the government, you know, into taxing, uh, taxing them, 
They can make them into little workhorses, but they cannot fool Mother Nature for too long because by the time typically a woman is 35 or 40, I don't care how successful she is, she is typically longing for a husband and family at that point if she is single. And, uh, and Mother Nature really starts kicking in. Oh, you're right on with this one. I have many, many liberal friends. And I'm not even just talking about women. I'm talking about men too. And they start hitting the age of 50 and they feel unfulfilled. Don't get me wrong. They lived what many people would think is the perfect life. They've traveled all over the world. They had amazing careers. They've made a lot of money. They have the nice car and they have the nice house. And yet they're all alone because they never had kids. So you know what they do on a Saturday night? They sit home all alone. No, let me paraphrase. They sit home with their cat watching Netflix or wasting their time on Facebook. You're listening to the AJ Steele Show, where no topic is off limits, no discussion too harsh, no truth more true. The AJ Steele Show, we tell it like it is. So, Deanna, all the people we spoke about up to now are normal heterosexual couples. But we haven't touched on the gay movement yet. I guess my question to you is what kind of a role do you think the gay movement has in this anti-family, anti-tradition narrative? Yeah, that's a part of the Marxist agenda as well. It's to disrupt, dis dismantle the family unit and to, um, to forego our faith in God, uh, to uh, eliminate our values, our moral compass, and, um, and to really uh, treat ourselves, our self-interests above anything and everyone else. So the gay movement came about also at the same time around as radical feminism did and the sexual revolution. It really came out more so in the 50s. And, um, and it was to it was to, again, I mean, if you're gay, obviously it's going to, you're having a harder time creating a family. And it's also, you know, it's, it kind of turns people against God because, you know, biblically, uh, God in the Bible does say that marriage is between a man and a woman. And I'm not saying that I'm necessarily anti-gay or that, you know, I have tons of gay friends and everything. That's not what I'm saying here. I am saying that the gay movement was a movement that was orchestrated just like the feminist movement, um, just like the sexual revolution, just like what's what we see now, you know, um, with 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 different races fighting against each other. This these things are not just organically uh, rolled out, you know, by one person. These are sophisticated agendas that are pushed and the agenda is not in our best interest in the long run a lot of people agree with you i agree with you 100 percent. i have a family i have yeah, children cultural marxism <laughs> true cultural marxism now having said that many many people in america don't agree with you where do you think the future of children and families is headed where are we going with this thing um, I'm very scared about that. And I write about that a lot in my book because, and, my, and talk about it in my podcast, because that's what they would love more than anything is if everyone is gender neutral, which really is another way of saying neutered, gender neutered, <laughs> gender neutral. They were pushed, they're pushing this very aggressively, this transgender movement, gender neutral. They want us to believe that gender is irrelevant and they want kids to grow up very confused and uh, spending lots of money and energy uh, changing genders, which 
I could talk all day about how sinister that is because they are doing this at a time where children are far too young to even think about these adult concepts and far too young to think about the ramifications long-term of that decision of changing genders. And often by the time that a, a child goes through puberty and enters adulthood, uh, there's a studies, there's multiple studies that say over 80% of those gender-confused children uh, would, would choose there would be fine, totally comfortable and confident with their own gender if they're allowed to pass through puberty uh, without pushing this on them. So now we have a generation of very gender-confused children and adults and Obviously, when you change genders, you can't reproduce. You can't have a baby. Um, and when people are gay, again, it's harder to have babies. It's harder to, to reproduce unless you adopt. Um, and this, these are just disruptions to the family unit. And now when they're pushing virtual reality, porn, sex robots, and social distancing, social isolation, they are going to really push for people to just be isolated from each other and or be hooked on porn or virtual reality or sex robots or be in gay relationships. And, and wow. it's, it's, yeah, we're already our birth rate is at a record low. It's be it's beneath replacement level at this point. And it's all by design. It's all by design, too, that they're weakening men, emasculating men, turning men in, in, into much weaker kind of wussy men. Because men that are strong will fight back to these things, and they will they will fight for their country. They will defend women. They will defend children. They will defend things that are right. And now we have we have a bunch of uh, neutered boys and men right now that they're getting our, their liberties completely stripped away from them, and they just don't care. They are not strong enough to fight or even realize that this has been an attack on us, on we the people, right now. Well, I, I would go even a step further. I would say that all this gender issues uh, is normalizing mental illness. But we could talk yes, about that another is, time. Absolutely. Speak of family, I can't even escape my own family because I'm trapped here at home because of the Chinese coronavirus. And I don't want to mm -hmm. talk too much about medical things. That's for another conversation. But our country is shut down. People are panicked. All our liberties are thrown out the window. What's your take on this whole deal? Oh, I mean, this is – I. You guys should definitely follow me on Twitter, by the way. It's uh, Deanna for Congress with the number four. I sound off on it every day. I'm very fiery on Twitter and social media and Facebook because I just can't keep it in. I mean, this is a this is an attack on our liberty. This is an attack on our Constitution. And it's disgusting. And it is orchestrated. I'm not saying that the virus itself is a hoax, but I am saying and this is a, a scientific fact. Most people that die, almost all the people that die from the coronavirus are the same people that would die from the flu. They're typically over 85 years old. They have pre-existing and coexisting health conditions or they morbidly obese. This is, this is reality. And yet we're closing the entire world and we're putting good Americans and the citizens and under house arrest and arresting people for daring to open a business and, uh, and, keeping us socially distanced, crashing our economy. It's sinister. It's really sinister. And of course, the benefit goes to the left. The left benefits from this because they're then able to usher in a system of mass surveillance and control with contact tracing, um, with uh, testing. And they also, I know that if the left got their way, they would want mandatory vaccines. Mm. Okay. And they also get to benefit because they're doing uh, voter uh, voting, voting over mail, mail-in ballots, okay, so that it's much easier for them to cheat. They benefit from the economy crashing so that they could blame it on Trump and try to win the election that way. 
So there's a lot of things that the left is benefiting from by keeping us in this lockdown state and by keeping this this uh, farce that the coronavirus is this massive, massive deadly disease that we need to be afraid of our whole lives. It's not. It's not. But the left benefits from perpetuating this fear. And fear is a very, very powerful tool of control. I think it's very peculiar that 26 states that are run by Republicans are open for business and 24 Democrat states are still shut down. So we know it's not all about science. It's about politics, right? Right. Exactly. Of course it is. It's all about the election. But the liberals also have to pay the bills. They can't do that if they don't get tax money. What's the benefit there? Well, they are so brainwashed. Most of the liberals are sheep and they're listening blindly to whatever the media is spoon feeding them. So they're willing, and I've talked to them, they're willing to give up their liberties, their rights, they're willing to be tracked and traced, forced to vaccinate, they're willing to social isolate, they're willing to lose money um, because they are controlled by this fear and they think that it's that serious. They also get pleasure out of blaming Trump for it. They do. They do get sick pleasure out of blaming Trump for it and seeing, see, Trump is bad. Trump made this happen. It's Trump. Trump is to blame because he did all these things wrong and we wouldn't be here. They buy into all of this. So they get, they are also getting something out of it, even though by all, uh, in any rational sense, they're not, they're totally losing. Well, we both live in California. I say that over and over. And we both know that many of the useful idiots that we call neighbors are totally falling for this program, just like little Nazi soldiers. Exactly. But when it comes to election time, you know they're going to vote Democrat. You ran against Nancy Pelosi. You know Mm -hmm. what conservatives are up against here. Is there any hope for us in this state? You know, I really thought there was hope. That's why I decided to run. And, uh, And I ran for Congress against Nancy Pelosi, the women at the helm of all of this destruction. So I really did feel like there was hope for California. But... And I, I do remain an optimist. I am a, an optimist. But I have to say some certain things are, are leading me to believe that maybe this is a lost state. You know, for instance, in the, in the local, the most recent local elections in San Francisco, as you probably know, the, the local San Francisco's uh, voters, they voted overwhelmingly for the new attorney general, mm. Cheza Budin. Cheza yep. Budin is a an outspoken uh, literal communist and his parents were in a domestic terrorist organization called the Weather Underground. They were imprisoned when he was a child for murdering cops and inciting violence. And he won. He won the hearts of San Franciscans on the promise that he would decriminalize gangs, decriminalize, (laughs) decriminalize uh, what he calls quality of life crimes. So defecating on the streets, uh, theft, car, car burglaries, um, camping, public, you know, homelessness, sex on the streets. He said, you know, none of that should be a crime. And in fact, we're going to loosen that up more. So that's what won the hearts of San Francisco voters. And then, then, you know, we have my election, which again, they voted overwhelmingly for a radical socialist, Shahid Batar. You know, instead of voting a Republican, they voted overwhelmingly. He won by quite a landslide, Shahid Batar, and he is a radical socialist endorsed by Bernie Sanders. He is a Justice Democrat style AOC type who believes that Nancy Pelosi is not at all far left enough. Uh, So that's his big complaint against Nancy Pelosi. She's not far left enough. So 
this is what, you know, these are who San Francisco, San Franciscans are voting in, radical communists, and this is happening all over the state, but, and, and when you try to talk sense into some Californians and um, ask them, you know, man, wouldn't you just love to have a, a governor that wasn't quite a dictator and that wasn't locking us up all day and, you know, don't you want to question some of these things the media are telling us? A lot of them really still do believe it so strong. The indoctrination is very strong in, in California and in liberal states. So I, I don't know at this point if California can turn red. I definitely have hope for it and I'll fight for it. But we also have to look at the trends here. It's becoming at this point like a tumor. You know, we either have to, it's, it's infecting the rest of the country with its liberalism. It's really infecting it. So we either have to heal the tumor or cut it off to prevent the infectious spread to the rest of the country. But that's really what it's starting to become. Well, I like your analogy. And I went actually to high school with Gavin Newsom. I grew up close to him and I know what kind of guy he is. I know the Pelosi's pretty well. And uh, as far as the DA of San Francisco, I wonder sometimes if he's an anarchist or a communist. Either way, he's destroying the city. Now, we've covered so much ground today. I wanted to ask you the last couple of questions. First of all, what do you think of President Trump's chances against that old man, Joe Biden? I think if it's against Joe Biden, I think that he'll most likely win. And um, I mean, I know we're all going to come out in full force. But I will say, if it's someone like Kamala Harris, or if it's, you know, Michelle Obama, mm. Or Hillary Clinton, we we would have a little bit more of a challenge. I mean, obviously, Joe Biden is senile. He's demented. He says all the wrong things. He's inappropriate. He's creepy. And now he might actually, and he has some criminal charges against him, too. So, I, you know, President Trump is just so much of a stronger force. And so much, there's just, he carries so much more energy and enthusiasm. But the other people, they, they would be, uh, they would give him a run for the money, for his money, I think. And I think that would be a little more scary. With all that being said, though, as much as I love Trump, I know that from other supporters and everything and for myself, that he needs to start taking action soon. And we are all waiting for him to step in and take action and stop all of this tyranny. We want him to stop certain things like the contact tracing HR 666 bill from ever being passed and speak loudly about that, about his uh, condemning that. And we haven't yet to hear that from him. So a lot of people are getting very nervous. A lot of people are also wondering with his constant talk about vaccines and testing uh, and mobilizing the military, if that has if that may be a mandated vaccine. These would be red lines, I know, for people that would not vote for him uh, if that was the case. We also want to, you know, we want to see justice. We know how criminal and corrupt Obama is and the Clintons and Comey and uh, and Adam Schiff and the whole gang, you know, that started that started Russiagate. We know, but we're kind of at this point tired of him talking about it. We we want action. We want justice. And if that justice doesn't end up in arrest before his election, I know there's going to be a lot of disappointed and disheartened Republicans. And we're going to start feeling like justice is only for one side only. The deep state is not, in fact, getting taken down, which is one of uh, one of Trump's promises. And we will you know, we may not vote. So I, I'm not saying this to worry everyone, but it is there's conditions, I think, for a lot of people to vote for President Trump. It's not going to be as easy as a win as last time. And he does have to prove himself trustworthy again over the next couple months because there's some disheartened people out there right now. 
just to be fair to President Trump, he's not a dictator and he does no, not control of course the not. judiciary and he's not controlled Congress. So we want all these things. And I have a feeling he wants them, too. He wants to see Obama in jail. We all do. But unfortunately, he can't just decree that. So I think people need to give him a little chance. And, you know, he has a lot of enemies, even within the Republican Party, don't you think? Of course, absolutely. But, you know, this was all supposed to be, you know, four years, I think. I'm not sure. I think it seems like a long enough time to restructure that and seems like a long enough time to, you know, look, they got they prosecuted General Flynn and Roger Stone. I mean, in Manafort, those people got prosecuted quickly, investigated, went to jail. So why is it different for a lot of these other people? Good and, point. Yeah. It said those things, those those investigations and, and indictments happen very fast. Why is it taking more than four years for these investigations of people that truly did commit crimes? And yeah, you know, justice needs to be served. But, you know, we if like if Bill Barr came out eventually and said, look, nothing's going to happen. It was it's an investigation and no one's going to be indicted or anything um, that might tell people that nothing really is going to happen. And yes, you know, President Trump is not a dictator. And that 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 what that's what we love. But it does it does like, you know, seems like we're getting we're taking a long time to get some of these people to justice and to really clean out the swamp, clean out the deep state. But he would be better, of course, than anyone. And, you know, I am the strongest Trump supporter you can ever find. You know, I am I'm a diehard Trump supporter. So I say that with I just say that to convey the voice of a lot of people that I know that I'm talking to and to put Trump, you know, to hold him accountable, too. This is the most important election of our century. I mean, this this truly is the most important election. But one of his promises was to give power back to the people and was to drain the swamp, drain the deep state. So we just want to see him fulfill that promise. And I think he will. Deanna, this went by so fast. I had such a good time <laughs> talking to you. Yeah, anytime. What's what's in your future? What kind of plans do you have? Are you going to run again? Do you have any bigger things planned? Yes, I may run again. I'm definitely considering running again. Um, next time I'll be wiser and stronger and have a better support system even the last than, than the last time. I Right now I'm uh, about to publish a book. I wrote a book. I'm about to publish it. It will be out by June 1st, and it's called Fighting Nancy Pelosi, 21 Lessons I Learned Fighting Nancy Pelosi and the Swamp. So it's going to talk all about the good, bad, and the ugly of my campaign and what other people can learn, too, if they want to be a stronger leader in the movement and uh, also potentially run for office. So I'm getting the book published by the 1st of July. I am doing my podcast at least three days a week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, on my YouTube, iTunes, um, and definitely, you know, getting doing all my power, everything in my power to get the president reelected. And of course, I'm, I'm remaining on the front lines, being a very bold voice of truth and patriotism, as you can see on, on social media. So definitely follow my social media. It's very active. Deanna, first of all, God bless you. And, and God thank bless you, so, you too. Thank you. And thank you so much for coming on the AJ Steele Show. We wish you all the best, and I hope that you will visit us again in the near future. Absolutely. Thanks so much, AJ. I don't want to be the boy that runs in the back. I don't want to be the kid that falls in the dark. All I really want to be is the guy that gets that girl. Don't look like Brad Pitt. Don't smile like DiCaprio. Don't dunk like Kobe. Don't swing like DiMaggio. Everything I say and do, I'm just not good enough for you. Don't kick like Bruce Lee, don't fly like Superman, I smile like Einstein, don't rap like Eminem, everything.
say and do I'm just not good enough for you 